Hey, good morning, Trace Church. Glad you guys are here with us today. My name's Patrick, one of the pastors here at Trace. And uh, before I jump into my message today, I just wanted to take a moment and let you know we're planning a church. We're planning a church on the north side of uh, the Springs, and it's not just a church. We're planning a Trace church. There's a number of people who've come together and just said, man, we want to see a life-giving church um, up in the Northgate Monument area. And so um, here's what I want to do before I jump into this. If you're interested in hearing more about that, I want to personally invite you to just stick around after service today for just a few minutes. I think it took us about seven minutes after the first service. A real quick flyover, here's what we're doing, here's what it's about, and an opportunity for you to just kind of listen in, um, just kind of hear a little bit of the pulse or the heartbeat behind this church plant. So again, there's a personal invitation for you. Get the scoop on Trace Northgate Church. I want to jump into our teaching today, and I'm going to start out with a handful of questions The first one is this, what do you do when you find yourself wrestling with doubts? When you want to believe that God is good, but the life that you're experiencing is not. When what you see with your eyes is different than what you'd hope for in your heart. We're right in the middle of this series called Hope in the Dark, and we're looking at the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is one of the most raw, most honest books in all of the Bible. It's a very short Uh, book. Those of you who like short books, this is only three chapters long. Three chapters, but it has huge relevance in our life today. Last week, we started in chapter one, and chapter one was all about wondering and wrestling with God. God, I know you can, but you're not, and I don't know why you're not doing what I ask you to do or why you're not moving on my behalf. Have you ever been left with the question why in your life? Why are things happening? Let me, let me phrase that question just a little bit differently for you. Let me ask it this way. When was the last time that you had one of those unfair moments in life? This last week, uh, our car broke down. You know, we've had really good uh, fortune with our vehicles, so I've, I don't know that I've had a car repair in 10 years, but our car broke down, and it doesn't matter when it happens, car repairs are frustrating. It stinks. So we take our car in, we drop it off at the shop to get the repair done. I get a ride home, I get in our other vehicle, and I'm not kidding, the transmission goes out. The same day that I drop off one car, listen, if one vehicle repair is frustrating, having two on the same day is super frustrating. Now listen, I wish the story stopped there, but it doesn't. And I'm laughing today, but I was not laughing this week. I picked up our first car from the shop drive it home, the next time I start it, the check engine light comes on again with another issue. So um, have you guys heard that phrase before, when it rains, it pours? Right? The reason you've heard that phrase so much is because it happens to so many people. When it rains, it pours. But there comes other moments in life when our frustration takes, um, it just takes a much different tone. I was visiting with a, a good friend this last week. He's lost three close family members in a matter of six weeks' time. Now, listen, when you face those moments, when life hits you hard, when you face major loss, when you go through major disappointment, maybe it's something that snuck up on you and you just you weren't anticipating it, it plunges you into a sea of questions. And it usually starts with something like this. God, what gives? I don't understand what's happening in my life right now. God, why? 
some of our biggest struggles in life come when we don't see with our eyes the things that we hope for in our heart. And chapter one of Habakkuk was all about wrestling with this question, why? And last week we introduced our one thing for this series, and it is this, a Christ follower can wrestle with honest questions and still embrace a genuine faith in God. The name Habakkuk means to wrestle and embrace. And there's a tension there. And we're going to continue on in this tension today in chapter 2, but it just takes a little bit different tone. It's a little bit different kind of wrestling. Last week we were wrestling with the question why. This week we're wrestling with the question when. Because Habakkuk chapter 2 is all about waiting. When, God, will you move? When will you show up in my life? When will you provide a job that covers my needs? When will you heal me? When, God, will you move on my behalf? See, wondering why is difficult. Wondering when is extremely difficult. And if you missed last week, let me give you just a, a little backstory that leads up to our, our message today. Habakkuk was a minor prophet. He lived about 600 years before Christ. Uh, most prophets would speak to the people on behalf of God. Habakkuk was different. He spoke to God on behalf of the people. And this is what he said. God, I don't understand what's happening in my life right now. I thought you were a just God. But why aren't you doing what I asked you to do. You don't seem to even care. See, Habakkuk's people, the people of Judah, they were once this real prosperous and blessed nation, but then um, this tremendous corruption sets in, and now they're in desperate need. They're really suffering, and so Habakkuk goes to God, and he cries out to God, and he said, God, help us, deliver us, do something for us, and God answers him. God answers him, and he says, I'm going to do something, but it's not what you asked for, and it's not what you hoped for. I'm actually going to raise up your enemies, the Babylonians. They're way worse than you. I'm going to raise them up, and they're going to bring judgment on you. And now Habakkuk is absolutely beside himself. This doesn't make sense. Have you ever said that to God before? God, what's going on in my life right now, it doesn't make sense. Habakkuk is wrestling with this question why, but God is going to speak to him. And as today we get into chapter 2, we're going to see a few ways that God's word here in the book of Habakkuk directs us. It gives us direction on what we do, very specifically three things that we do when our hopes aren't being met, when we're wrestling with God. We're going to find these in the very first few verses of chapter 2. Would you look at it with me this morning? This is Habakkuk speaking right now. He says, I will stand at my watch and I will station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what God will say to me. And then God responds. The Lord replied, write down the revelation, make it plain on the tablets. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. The very first thing 
that we see is that in the midst of his wondering, in the midst of his wrestling with God, Habakkuk positions himself in the most strategic place to hear the voice of God. Look at verse 1 with me again. It says, I'll stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. The ramparts are towers around the city walls. It's that raised walkway on top of the walls. He gets above all the noise. He gets above all the distractions. He gets himself in the best possible place to do what? To hear the voice of God. I will look to see what God will say to me. The first thing that we see Habakkuk do is listen for God. Now let's be honest. It's not easy to do this when you're hurting because when you're hurting, when you're in pain, you don't want to listen. You want to talk and you want to tell God what you want him to do or what he should have been doing all along. Listening is very difficult. And yet Habakkuk says, I'm going to position myself the best possible place above all the noise to listen to you. It's so important in those times that we would position ourselves to listen to God because he will speak to you. He'll speak to you through his word. He'll speak to you through other people. He'll speak to you through circumstances in life. He'll speak to you through a message. He'll speak to you through a song. Our God is a God who wants to speak. The bigger issue is are we listening? In these moments, when we're wrestling with why, the best thing we can do is listen for God. Now, understanding this, sometimes in those moments, the hardest voice to hear is the voice of God because there's a lot of other voices, aren't there? You guys have friends probably who want to give their input when you're facing something, when you're dealing with something, even when you're in a painful moment of struggling with something, and everybody's got their opinions, and everybody's got their perspective, and everybody's got their answer. And Habakkuk said, I'm going to find a place where I can get above all of that noise. Well-intentioned people, the most important, the most important voice to me, <laughs> the most important voice for me to hear in this moment is the voice of God. And so he positions himself in a place where he can hear God's voice. But I've got to tell you this, sometimes, sometimes when you hear from God, he's going to tell you something that you don't want to hear. That's what he did to Habakkuk. Habakkuk said, I asked you to do this, God, and you did the opposite. You did the opposite. This is not what I wanted to hear. Maybe you've had that same conversation with the Lord as well. God, I was praying for this. And you did this. Now I'm super confused. Now I'm super frustrated. <laughs> Habakkuk said, that's not what I wanted to hear. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he's, he was writing about this. He called it a thorn in his side. And, and, and scholars don't know exactly what it was. Maybe he was struggling with, with uh, his vision. Maybe it was chronic pain. Maybe it was depression. There was something in his life that he begged and pleaded and asked God Please take this away. Please take this away. God, please take this away. And God answered him. And God said, no. God said, my grace is enough for you. Now listen, if I'm Paul, I'm pushing back because I'm saying, I don't want your grace, I want your power. God, I didn't ask for your grace. 
Give your grace to somebody else who's sick. I want your healing. God, give your grace to somebody else who's struggling financially. I want your provision. Give your grace to somebody else. I want your power in my life. I want you to do something. I didn't ask for your grace, God. Paul, God said, Paul, my grace is enough for you. Sometimes God says what you want is not what I'm going to give you. What you want is actually not what you need. And I know it may be hard for you to understand in this moment. In fact, you are going to wrestle with this. But what I'm going to give you is actually much greater. See, God is this loving Father to us who loves us so much that he is willing to speak and do the difficult things, the greater things in our life. Habakkuk is wrestling with this. He's struggling with this, but he makes this first commitment, and he says, I will listen for him. Now, once we've listened for God, we read how God responds to Habakkuk. This is the Lord now speaking to Habakkuk, and he says this, write down the revelation, write down my answer, write down my response to you, write it down, make it plain on the tablets. God says, write it down. Capture it, document it, record what God says. And you might be asking, like, why do I need to write it down? Famous last words for everybody who forgot. It's simply this. You write it down because you have a spiritual enemy who wants to take from you everything that God gives to you. Seriously, this happens all the time, guys. All the time of the time. It may have happened for you just last Sunday. You may have come to church. God may have spoke to you. You may have just received an amazing amount of faith, amazing amount of grace. God gave you a word and you left and then you got in the car. And in the car, the kids were fighting on the way home or you're arguing with your spouse or with your friend and you pull into the driveway and you're saying, "Um, did God really speak to me? Because the enemy wants to take from you what God gives to you. So write it down, document it, go back to it, believe it, embrace it, claim it. Don't let the enemy take it from you. Have you ever heard something absolutely profound, other than my preaching, something absolutely profound that you said, I need to remember that. Seriously, have you heard something that you thought, I need to remember that, I need to remember that. There's an old phrase, it's a great phrase, and it says this, the shortest pencil is greater than the longest memory. Write it down. Because in the dark moments, in the painful seasons of life, those are the times when you need most to be able to go back to it and you need to be able to see it and you need to be able to claim it. So God tells Habakkuk, write it down. Write it down. And now the third thing. We're going to actually camp out here for a few minutes because this is probably one of our biggest challenges in life. It's, um, it's difficult. It's no fun. But it happens to be where probably a lot of you are right now in life. First of all, we listen. Secondly, we write it down. And then God says, wait for it. Our culture sucks at waiting. We really struggle with waiting and it's right here in this waiting where this wrestling begins to take uh, on a new form. And, and we shift from wrestling with the question why to now wrestling with the question when. 
when. God says, wait for it. Guys, we have so many first world patience problems. You know how frustrating people get, how frustrated they get when their Netflix movie renders in their instant streaming movie experience? Right, we do nothing but sit on the couch and we push a button and our movie's playing and it pauses for a couple of moments and we get frustrated. We have this patience problem. We have a, an issue with waiting. Maybe you are, are one of those guys um, who heats your food up in a microwave and 30 seconds just didn't cut it and you're frustrated because it has to go back in for another 15 seconds now. Or maybe you're just completely put off when your barista at your coffee spot um, gets your order wrong. They, they, they get your half-calf, extra-hot, almond-soy latte drink wrong, and they have to start over again. Like, we have all of these first-world patience problems. We really stink at waiting. And, and waiting, like, hear me out on this. I, I get it. Waiting in general is tough. But it's when you find yourself waiting in the middle of pain that it feels almost unbearable. When you find yourself waiting in the middle of confusion, it's absolutely frustrating. A few years back, I found myself in a very tough place personally where someone had made a, a, some personal attacks against me, completely unjust, and I was paying a pretty heavy price for this. And I was praying and I was saying, God, when will your justice come? And a couple of months later, I'm still praying, God, when will your justice come? And six months later, I'm still praying, God, when will your justice come? Because when that pause button gets hit in the middle of our pain, life gets really tough. And some of you right now, you're waiting. You're praying and you're waiting. You want to see God do something, but you're not seeing it yet. Is God ever going to restore your relationship with your spouse? Is God ever going to get you out of depression? Is God ever going to bring along a job that pays the bills? Is, is God ever going to give you a baby? Some of you guys are in that painful pause moment. Verse 3 of Habakkuk chapter 2 is one of the best anchors in this entire book. And this is what God says. He says, For the revelation, for my answer, awaits an appointed time. Though it linger, wait for it. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and it will not delay. I love the way the Living Bible translates this. It says, but the things that I plan, they won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, don't despair, for the things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue one single day. God's answer awaits an appointed time. In fact, this phrase in its original Hebrew, it's best translated as the perfect, unstoppable timing of God. It doesn't always make sense, but it's his unstoppable timing. When my wife and I were pregnant with our, our first child, Addison, 
we had planned, we had scheduled these um, classes about six weeks before um, the due date. We had these classes scheduled. I was young, I was naive, I needed to learn, I needed to understand how is this process going to work. And so we get ready for these classes. The, the problem was the day before the classes start, my wife looks at me and she says, I need to go to the hospital. And I take her to the hospital, and while we're there, six weeks early, her water breaks. And the doctor looks at me and he says, I'm going to admit your wife to the hospital, and we're going to have this baby. And I turn to my wife, and I'm like, babe, wouldn't you rather go home and wait for the due date? And he's like, listen, once this process starts, you can't stop it. I said, but this isn't the due date. I circled it on my calendar. (laughs) This isn't lining up. Listen, once the process starts at the appointed time, it's going to happen. You could say it this way. If it's not God's time, you can't force it. When it is God's time, you can't stop it. This answer from God awaits his appointed time. God will bring about his purposes. And in the midst of your waiting, when you are trying to hang on to your faith and you're not seeing anything, remember that God's delays are not God's denials. Just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean God's not going to do it. Though it linger, wait for it. At God's appointed time, it will come to pass. And some of you may need to hear this this morning. When it feels like God has hit the pause button right in the middle of your pain, sometimes it's because God is preparing the answer. Sometimes it's because he's preparing the person. And the very things that we often want to avoid in life are the very things that do the most good in us. And God loves us enough to hit pause, even in the middle of our pain, because he wants to do something inside the person, that he wants us to be good at waiting. Headed into verse four, Habakkuk is completely frustrated. (laughs) When, God, are you gonna bring justice to us then? When are you gonna bring down these Babylonians? Later on, God basically says, I am a just God, the Babylonians will get theirs. But here's what he says in verse four. He says, see the enemy... Babylon, they're puffed up. His desires are not upright. They're evil. But then he speaks to Habakkuk and he says this, but the righteous person will live by his faith. This is one of these Old Testament or Old Covenant principles that you also find in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. The New Testament scriptures say we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. The righteous will live by faith. And man, if there's something that I want to click inside of you today, it's this. You don't have to live your life based on the roller coaster of circumstances. God actually said that this will happen in life. But you don't have to live your life based on it. We don't live by what we see or what we experience. We live by faith. And if your faith depends on your circumstances, it's very shallow faith. It lacks 
the depth that God wants. And so, listen, I know that waiting sucks, but what if waiting is necessary in order for us to experience real faith? Because here's what the New Testament writer says about this also. Faith is the evidence of things that are not seen yet. When you're in the waiting, when God has hit pause in that moment, and you're not seeing what you want to see, that's when faith begins to build. It's when faith begins to develop. When you start to believe in a God who you know loves you and a God who is good, but even when the circumstances around you are not good, your faith is beginning to build. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Our faith is not based on circumstances. Our faith is based on the character and on the goodness of God. The righteous person, God said, will live by faith. Habakkuk, in the middle of your frustration, in the middle of your wondering, in the middle of your wrestling, you don't have to live your life based on those things. You can live your life based on faith, Habakkuk. So we come to the end of chapter two. Habakkuk has been confused, he's been doubting, he's been frustrated, and he's just trying to hang on. And isn't that where we're at so many times in life? He's trying to hang on. And he says these words, though, in verse 20. It's almost like he's trying to remind himself that God's still in charge. This is what he says. But the Lord is in his holy temple. And I want you to grab a hold of this. Habakkuk has been wrestling with God. He has been waiting, but he is still embracing God. God, I don't understand, but I believe that you're still on the throne, and I'm not letting go. Brings us back to our one thing again. A Christ follower can, and I will say, a Christ follower will wrestle with honest questions and still embrace a genuine faith in God. Last week, chapter one, we said, don't walk away from God while we're wondering. This week, chapter two, don't let go of God while you're waiting. Next week, chapter three, you'll have to come back, hear what Pastor Corey says about that. But I can't promise you that God's always gonna show up in the ways that you want him to. I can't promise you that he's always going to operate on your timeline. I can't promise you that God is always going to make sense to us. But I can promise you that God understands your pain. He understands your frustration. And he's okay if you need to wrestle with him. But follow Habakkuk's lead. Wrestle and embrace. As we close up this morning, I just want to take a moment to pray for you. I'm going to ask if you guys would just bow your heads. And if you're here today and you would just say, I am right there. That's where I'm at. I'm, I'm, the pause button has been hit in my life. And I'm struggling with waiting for something. Or maybe you're struggling with the question, why? Why, God, have you allowed this in my life? Would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray with you this morning. If that's you today, there's hands up everywhere. We know this is life we know God is good, and it's tough waiting. You can put your hands down. I just want to pray for you this morning. God, we ask, God, I pray that as we are wrestling with why, 
as we're wrestling with the question when, as we're, we're, um, as we're frustrated, as we're confused, God, in all of those things, God, I pray that you would meet us right in the midst of our waiting, that you'd pull up a chair right beside us, you'd let us know that you're there. God, I pray that even as difficult as it is, Lord, I ask that you would do the greater things, that you would teach us how to wait. You'd give us patience, God, though it lingers, though your answer, though your action, though your activity lingers, God, teach us to wait for it. And while we're waiting, God, I pray that you'd help us to embrace. In your name we pray. Amen.